Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Syracuse's 1-0 week. Happy Rutgers week for those who uh, pine for the old Big East. Happy, <laughs> uh, well, I guess it's my birthday week uh, by default, although that's not for a couple days. Uh, happy early birthday. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I'm officially going to be on the wrong side of 30. Fun times. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I look forward to joining all of my good friends. Um, yeah, uh, I'd say pretty, I mean, aside from some tangential sports stuff uh, in the Syracuse room that we'll talk about, like pretty good week, especially for Syracuse football fans who were uh, understandably uh, kvetching about the Ohio game like we were. Yeah, and, and I'll say excuse the trash being picked up outside. Um, thanks to the holiday, but uh, yeah, realistically, uh, we can talk a little. We talk Ohio quick for a couple minutes. Um, thought it was a lot of fun. Thought that there was something to be desired on the offensive side of the ball, but at the same time, like, d- doesn't everybody remember getting really angry about only only quote unquote beating Colgate thirty three to seven in, in twenty sixteen? Um, and, and, and really not doing anything interesting on offense in the first game pretty much every year since Babers arrived um, and not just like blowing the doors off a team um, because they couldn't realistically, you know, Ohio probably wasn't that team anyway this year, but like, you know, the Colgates and Central Connecticut States of the world, like, you know, like, like you don't have to put up 80 points just because you conceivably can. Um, and, and, and to me, like, yeah, I, I think that this was a, a good win. It wasn't an amazing win. It was a win that, that got things done without really revealing it's a whole lot of what we're going to do this year. Um, the fact that it didn't force Tommy DeVito to, to try to carry game on his shoulders, I think was a great sign of improvement for, for the team and the offense overall. I thought Sean Tucker's performance was excellent um, with 181 yards on the ground on 25 carries. I, I felt that the wide receivers, TBD, but the offensive line um, really – We'll see how the rest of the season goes, but night and day um, compared to what we saw last year. And the, and the defense was, was was a lot of bend and don't break. Um, that's not going to work as well against against better teams in Ohio. Uh, but at the same time, like Ohio did throw some things at us, and uh, and and we managed to persevere. And and you know, someone like Deuce Chestnut comes in and really puts on just a fantastic performance in his first game. I, I think a lot of the returning players um, played pretty well overall. The line, uh, I wouldn't say the line held up incredibly well, but would also say that. There's some excuse there without McKinley Williams still um, definitely going to be the uh, unfortunate and maybe oddly uh, 
weakest link uh, of the three um, kind of position groups uh, within this defense. But the, the fact that that's the weakest link tells you a lot um, uh, of just how good the secondary and the linebackers are. So overall, came away with with feeling like we we, we did what we were supposed to do. We got the monkey off our back potentially um, in, in terms of just getting a win and, and feeling like we we can start burying last year and never talking about it again. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm overall more optimistic now than I was going into the game at least. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week. Like, this was not one of those, like, rollover opponents um, that you sometimes get with MAC teams. This team is probably a lot closer to the, like, the Western Michigan team that gave us uh, some trouble a couple years ago, the Central Michigan team, the Toledo team. Um, this was, like, definitely more of, you know, Ohio. I mean, just look, don't go down their, their resume. Obviously, it's a new coach, but it's still a coach that's been there for, like, a decade. Um, you know, they've been to bowls 09, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Like, this is not a team that loses um, just by default against, uh, like, middling Power 5 teams. Um, it's a pretty solid program. So, to beat them by 20 points, uh, it probably could have been more than 20 points if, if Babers was interested in really showing something, which we know is not his uh, MO early in the season. I thought it was a really good sign. Like, we really didn't put much out there on film. Um, DeVito basically just played very within himself but like we we weren't really dialing up a lot of like fancy stuff for him um we just had to imposed our will on them which is something we do not always do against teams of this caliber so that was a, a good sign um if you told me like if you just told me going in like you're gonna run for over 200 yards and the offensive line's gonna look really solid uh you know who knows what the ohio defensive line is like but still like it didn't matter last year no matter who we played it didn't look good um and Sean Tucker was going to look like a superstar and Deuce Chestnut was going to look like he did. Um, I would have signed for all of it. And it doesn't bother me that Tommy DeVito only threw for 92 yards. We did not need him to do more than that. Um, I'm, we know he's capable of doing more than that. So uh, we'll likely see it this weekend just based on the level of opponent. But overall, you have to be pretty happy with it. I honestly think like this, this weekend's game is so interesting because while Rutgers, uh, you know, the store is a little more glaring because of some of the things that they did to Temple and some of the, uh, the takeaways and some other stuff, um offensively it wasn't much more than what we did um if uh, you could honestly argue it was less like they scored almost all their points in short field or on takeaways so you have two teams that should be very happy with their games against overmatched group of five opponents i think our group of five opponent was much better um temple was really bad last year and they didn't look much better this year um and they lost their quarterback i think during the game Dwayne mathis the former georgia quarterback so yeah i, I think um you really don't have much more to ask for um i think it, it went according to plan and now we'll probably see a much more full representation of what the offense looks like obviously it's a much more i think probably a more difficult opponent in rutgers because they do look feisty overall though yeah i mean this isn't the rutgers of you know the the first well say after the first year in, in the big 10 i think since then um a struggling team overall um in, in big 10 play it's not that rutgers but it also isn't the rutgers that we, we were very familiar with um, in the Big East, and, and, and it's important to note that distinction as well. I, I think that, you know, the Syracuse team clearly had, has, has plenty more that they can do. I, I felt that one of the biggest takeaways that I had from, um, from that week one win is that you saw sustained drives. No, they didn't always result in points the way that we wanted them to, but SU also didn't really try to do much to make that happen. Um, and also really didn't try to do much, but settle for field goals once, especially once the game was, was, was essentially in hand, um, at least in by Baber's calculation. I, I think that, you know, we, we saw a late touchdown tack on with Cooper Lutz, but realistically, like nothing that, that, that occurred other than, you know, the initial 
um, advent of, of DeVito RPOs um, was, was necessarily like that shocking. And, and, and to me, the fact that they could sustain drives, get the defense some rest, and, and, and do a lot of, of damage despite not really having short fields, despite not forcing turnovers. They only had, I think, four tackles for loss in the entire game. Like, the, 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 I mean, the one turnover that they forced was, was toward the end. Uh, with that, you know, insane Deuce Chestnut one-handed interception. Like beyond that, it was really just taking advantage of, of, of opportunities when when they were given to them and creating some on their own. Like to, to me, that this what what I liked about the game, and and we talked about this last year and the year before, really is like what's repeatable. And, and I felt that this game was very repeatable um, against the bottom half of the schedule. And, and I also do think just because it was so because it was not relying on big plays because it was not on either side. It was not relying on a lot of turnovers. It was not relying on luck. It was just relying on, on, on sound play on both sides of the ball for the most part. I I do like where we're headed. I mean, obviously again, just one week. So, so, so still plenty of book to be written here. Uh, We've seen so many games like the Villanova game, some of the other like kind of nightmare week ones, even the ones we've won where like, we've kind of not put into like panic mode right off the bat. Even see. Yeah. Even the Liberty game, for sure. Like, even seasons where we've been okay. Like, it's it's not necessarily like you just, uh, you know, pencil in a nice win over a MAC team in week one um, and one where you really don't have to burn much. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with how it went. It doesn't mean that it's going to mean, uh, you know, everything going forward. But, um, yeah, I think you, you certainly signed for this. And then, you know, hopefully we'll open, thing up, open up things in interrupters. I know uh, just reading some stuff coming from the – New Jersey side of things, it does sound like like Rutgers is aware that uh, there's a lot more to show, and there's a little bit of worry on their part because I know the uh, run run defense has not been a strong suit for them over the last couple of years under Shiano. So um, we should have a pretty interesting one, um, and then hopefully everyone gets over the dome. Uh, obviously, everyone that is vaccinated and feels safe uh, can get to the dome and, and bring a pretty good atmosphere for the first time in two years. Absolutely, and we'll get more into the Rutgers stuff in the second half. It's going to be a shortened podcast today due to various uh, time constraints, but. Um, I did notice that Rutgers fans do seem to be pretty realistic that this is going to be a close game. Um, but Dan, before we get to half, did want to talk about uh, one other Syracuse-related thing. This is not football-related, uh, but you know, responding to the women's basketball situation today, um, that would be Wednesday, uh, SU Athletic Director John Wildhack definitely didn't say the things he needed to say. Um, the, the apologies were the apologies seemed like they were kind of there in words, but. I, I don't really, I don't know how many, t- I, I'm probably writing something about this tonight. I don't know how many times we need to do this, but I just feel like the the, the apologies and the accountability just aren't up to snuff at, at this point. It's starting to get concerning. And you and I have talked about some of the the, the wild hat concerns overall as he, as he enters kind of like the second half of the decade um, here, uh, you know, of his tenure at SU and, I'm getting concerned that that, that there's a, a a lack of progress, perhaps, for, from the athletic department in terms of, like, when he got there, it seemed like there was this big fanfare. There was some wins that accompanied that um, that may or may not have, have been related to his tenure. And, and since then, I feel like we, we've kind of gone back to some of the old, you know, Syracuse things that that, that happened at Syracuse, if, if not some of the more were worse and, and not even joke-worthy things. Um, in, in terms of just like off the field stuff and just a constant stream of, of, of what feels like bad news that that needs to be apologized for or or, or, or something needs to be addressed. And, and, and it doesn't seem like 
this in particular, that this situation was addressed well enough? No, it, it really, it really didn't. Um, I'm always like open to someone admitting that something went poorly or that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't done well. And it was a really unfortunate, like passing of the buck for wild hack. It's not like he just got here yesterday. Like if, it, if he had just gotten here and hadn't gotten up to speed on, um, what had been like, this wasn't the first time that we had heard like stuff, uh, that brought up, uh, about Q, like you could make the, you know, say, you'd say that like it wasn't handled right in the past or like something was handled fine. And, and, uh, people's, um, people's concerns have been assuaged before or something, but it wasn't like it was all new information that there were concerns about Q's uh, tenure at SU. So the fact that he said that he didn't know anything like that just can't fly. Like it, it was public information. So um, yeah, just really disappointing, especially because he, again, he's not someone who just got here, you know, two months ago, he's been here for years now. Um, he's, I think kind of struggled to signal any kind of much needed culture shift within the athletic department. It seems you know, every time we have some kind of situation like this, it just seems like more um, business as usual for SU, and that just hasn't been good enough for years now. So, yeah, it, it's 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 really disappointing. Um, I constantly hate to have things like this happen with an athletic department I care a lot about, but um, yeah, it, there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. I don't think. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, like I, I think that there's there there's an accountability question and and a reporting question and a process question and all these things start coming up. And, and, and for a school that I feel like one or, or multiple of these elements have cropped up quite a bit um, in the last 20 years uh, regarding various situations of, 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 and also varying, you know, severity, like it, it's not, this is not a good look again. Like I, I hate to not like just hit the nail on the head here, but uh, I I'm processing my thoughts so I can write something a little more, on the nose uh, this evening for Thursday, but I do just feel like I'm not calling for anyone's job. I, but I do think that there needs to be just a concerted effort on the, on the part of the athletic department to be more proactive, to be more on top of these things, or at least appear to be um, on, on top of these things. And, and, and the excuse of, I didn't know, like just doesn't work in 2021. Yeah, it, it's it's just really disconcerting. And again, it, it comes up all the time. And it's like maybe a little bit too simple. But uh, it, we're Syracuse University. We have a very, very well uh, established and not, uh, notable PR department. Um, we're supposed to be teaching people how to handle situations like this. Um, we're really bad at it all the time. Yeah, as, as someone with a public relations degree from Syracuse University, I can, I, I can tell you that I'm very concerned. Yeah, it's just like... It's just very frustrating. Hopefully, again, like I don't think any of us are like jumping ship. Like we all graduated from the school. We're, we're very invested for one reason or another. Um, but it it does make it like just a little bit harder to like. It's it's harder harder and harder to hand wave when this stuff happens over and over. So hopefully, hopefully with some you know we learn something, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it seems like uh, every time we hear this stuff, it is uh, more and more of like uh, you know or less less legitimate. Um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty. I mean, well, I wouldn't even say I'm sure. I, I would hope there's more follow-up to this. Um, I know Syracuse.com has already uh, not really pulled any punches, and a lot of fans have been pretty annoyed um, about what about today's events. Um, so I'm assuming there's probably more to come. But um, this is going to be a very interesting, in a bad way, uh, women's basketball season. And I hope 
for the, for the sake of the program, for the sake of all the, the athletes who were affected by, by everything that happened under Q and, and, and just in general by like just the, 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 the vibes and, but also the, the, the young women who all put in the time to help grow this program and build it into something that really is on par with the men's program in terms of stability, interest, um, and, and, and success. Like, I hope that everything that's, that, that's transpired doesn't just tear it all down and, and make all of that hard work for naught because they did put in effort when, when there wasn't really much of a foundation to like start with. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, you can't, you can't give Q the credit for building the program um, and then forget that all of the players that came here and put in a lot of work and, uh, you know, evidently dealt with um, some incredibly less than desirable uh, treatment um, in what appears to be many cases um, don't get like an incredible amount of the credit as well. So yeah, it's, 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 you hope that they treat this situation both very seriously and then moving forward, find someone who can lead this program uh, with grace, uh, with the same level of success that we were becoming accustomed to, but also in a way that isn't damaging um, because it, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't need to be like that. Like you have plenty of programs that do things like quote unquote the right way, but like this stuff, doesn't happen um, at every single like great program. You can you can have a winning team uh, where people are treated with uh, the respect that they deserve and feel good about like what's going going on. So hopefully, hopefully we can move past it, and also we continue to invest in and support the women's program the way they deserve to be to be uh, respected and uh, supported. Very much agreed. All right, Dan, why don't we talk a little halftime before we get into uh, some more exact notes on Rutgers? Uh, what have you been drinking of late? Um, I took it fairly easy last weekend. I was down in Jersey, um, but I did uh, continue to work on some of the local Last Wave stuff and the local Tate May stuff I had from a couple weeks ago. Also, uh, done my hands on some main paper, which is exciting. Um, this weekend should be kind of uncharted territory. I'm going to be in the Jackson Hole area. I don't know if you have any hot uh, Wyoming slash Idaho beer wrecks, but uh, it's kind uh, of a, a new world for me. <laughs> So your best bets are probably the Idaho breweries um, and, and the folks and the stuff that comes in from Denver that you might have missed a couple weeks ago. That's um, fair. Yeah. Realistically, there's probably not a ton of, of, of Wyoming staples um, in the area, but you could find a handful. Uh, there's, there's some good Boise stuff too. I mean, like I would say the top level of Boise, like is, is, is pretty good in like the Pacific Northwest area. Um, I, I can, I'll touch base with you after for a little <laughs> For, for, some, for some more specific recommendations, at least. I look forward to it. I, I really uh, am going in very blind, but uh, I'll probably if there's if I see stuff that's from uh, the two the two states, I'm we're going to be bouncing between the two states. Um, I will probably just try it to try it. So hopefully, there's some decent stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I said uh, during the summer, I was really surprised by the Montana beer scene, to be honest. Nice. Um, so 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 you never know what's what's around. That's true, especially those states. Like you know, it's very easy for stuff from there to fly under the radar. So. Totally. I'm sure there's some some quality stuff going on. Indeed. Um, on my end, I, know, I noted to Dan before we started that I was a little under the weather for the second half. Really, like within 12 hours of the SU game, I was under the weather uh, pretty much for the rest of the weekend. But John John gave um, up his health for us, everyone. <laughs> and he should be commended for it. I, I, I sacrifice everything for Syracuse football. Uh, <laughs> but had some uh, Rip Beer Company, uh, Stratocaster, West Coast IPA, uh, really, really good. On Friday, had for Modern Time Pool Zone that I've mentioned. They're a session IPA. It's only like two and a half percent. Super good. Um, also had Stone's 25th anniversary uh, triple IPA. Uh, my wife said it tasted like somebody uh, dropped a shot of vodka into an IPA. So t- take from that what you will. 
Is that is that a good review? <laughs> it depends. I, I thought it was fine. I, like I, but it was very aggressive uh, triple IPA. I must say, um, definitely not hazy. Um, I, I feel like we've talked about this. I feel like triple hazies are actually like pretty pleasant to drink. Um, and, and pretty and like way too easy to go down considering the ABVs. Um, this one, on the other hand, it's like twelve and a half percent, and uh, and definitely tasted like it. Color um, me shocked that Stone did something that was a little <laughs> bit much. <laughs> Agreed. Um, some other things I had: um, Hopperbolic uh, from Beechwood, just a West Coast IPA. Had Metaverse, was a hazy IPA from Modern Times, and then I had Cool Zone with uh, Petite Syrah and Zinfandel grapes, uh, which just a session farmhouse ale from um, Modern Times. So still got some things in, nonetheless, despite the uh, taking a couple of days off from the holiday. Very nice. Yeah, so hopefully very nice is a Syracuse effort against Rutgers. Now, obviously, you know, we're, 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 we're familiar enough uh, from our previous time together in the same league, but at the same time, there's, uh, there's been a lot that's happened since. The coach is the same, but, 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 but not a whole lot of other things are um, in, in terms of familiarity. Dan, you're right to point out earlier that Rutgers seems to know that this is going to be a tough game. Um, I know I was talking to um, Aaron over at uh, On the Banks, SB Nation's uh, Rutgers blog, and he seemed pretty aware that the 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 play the quarterback play in particular um, did not necessarily, uh, you know, pass kind of the grade uh, needed to be a team like Syracuse. I, I know that they, they they later in the season they might have some potential reinforcements. Um, at the quarterback position, I actually kind of would want to face uh, Gavin early because I feel like we've had some good luck uh, kind of welcoming, um, you know, newly minted elite quarterbacks to uh, college football. Um, I know Trevor Lawrence um, being one of them. And uh, yeah, I, I think that ultimately this is going to be a really tough game. I think Rutgers might be able to force Syracuse to pass enough to generate a win for themselves, but uh, if they, and I'll, I'll do a full prediction at the end, but I, I think realistically, this is going to be a very tight game mistakes and maybe a turnover are, are going to, you know, decide the day. Um, but th- this is definitely no cakewalk for either team. And I think it, it, it's best for both teams fans to, uh, to, to acknowledge that. And I think for the most part, it, it seems like online, at least that, that, that both are. Yeah, I was actually, I, I kind of felt the same way about the Rutgers response to their game last weekend. And just going into this game, I, I work with a, with a Rutgers person, um, talked to a few others. And like, it seems like they know that like Temple's pretty bad. Uh, I know Temple hasn't been that bad for a while, but like they took a huge step back last year. It doesn't look like they've really moved much forward this year, at least based on one game. Um, and also that 61 points, like again, it was like a lot of Temple making huge mistakes that Rutgers capitalized on, and they deserve credit for that. Um but it doesn't necessarily mean that when like their offense is put to the test that we know much about them. Noah Vedral, um, the Nebraska transfers in the second year there, um, was just around you know a little a little over fifty percent completions, hundred thirty eight yards, five point one per attempt, which is pretty pedestrian. A touchdown didn't make like the big mistakes, but he kind of managed things. He ran the ball well for them, which was important because they didn't do much on the ground otherwise. Uh, they finished with two hundred twenty yards, but that was like a lot of different guys getting a couple carries. Um, but their core guys, it, w- it wasn't super impressive. They had like four guys that were under four yards per, per carry. So, um, and like, you know, it's easier to run the ball when you, when you're, when you're up a million points and you get to, you know, not worry too much about what happens. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think these two teams are like weirdly kind of mirrors of each other. Like last year, 
at Syracuse's best, or the last couple of years, at Syracuse's best. Like special teams, very good, which has always been a mark of of Chiano football. Their special teams are always very good and opportunistic, um, and that used to be the case of the year. And then uh, a really opportunistic uh, turnover-based defense. Um, that's what Rutgers did in week one. Uh, that's what they did uh, to some success last year. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, they turned Temple over um, – how many times was it? Uh, two interceptions. Five, five times total. They had yeah, three fumble lot. recoveries and two picks. Um, I think they had a – did they have a kick return touchdown too? Um, had an interception return touchdown, and they did not have any kick returns. But Aaron Kruchank, who's really, really, really good, um, he averaged like twenty-eight on return on kicks, and then averaged almost twenty-eight on punts. So, like, you really can't kick it to him. He's he's like one of the best in the country. Um, need to avoid that. Which luckily, I think uh, I think James Williams looked really good in our, his first game for us. He too. looked great. I yeah, was, I, mean, I, I was very big fan of what we saw there. It's funny to it's so funny to get excited about punters, but we've just like been so uh used to really good punter uh play that it's like you can really appreciate it. Um obviously none of it like jumps off the page when you just look at the stats, but like he had two punts. They were both like pretty right around midfield and what both were inside the ten, one was inside the five. Like it was it was exactly what you want. So Yeah, two um, straight scholarship punters to uh red shirt, and it seems like both were great decisions. Yeah, we're we're building that pipeline. Um <laughs> So yeah, I, I think these these two teams actually do like their strengths are pretty similar. Their weaknesses are fairly similar. I will say I feel better about the Syracuse running attack than I do Rutgers's. I probably feel uh, and, and Rutgers' run defense is uh, apparently like the big concern over the last couple of years when they've lost big to like similar teams. Like I think Illinois really gashed them last year, and Illinois was like fine, but not not great. Um, and then some of the better teams like they just people just run whatever they want on them. If we can get the type of rushing attack that we had in week one and the offensive line looks solid again against like a pretty good, but not like overwhelming Rutgers defensive front. Um, I think we have a chance we control this game, uh, but I think it's going to be very, very evenly matched. Yeah. I mean, obviously Rutgers, you know, knows that this is a matchup that uh, from the, the rushing attack standpoint that like we should be able to have an advantage, but it, it's not as if they're going to come out and the exact same thing. Um, that, that, that teams have gashed them in. It's not like they're just going to sit back and say, okay, let's let them run and see what they do. Like they're going to for- try to force us in passing situations. That probably means, you know, varying types of blitzes, pulling in safeties, pulling in linebackers. Like I, I'm, I'm expecting them to at least early throw the kitchen sink at us, force us to throw and, and try to establish a lead because I still don't know if the Syracuse team can really play from behind. Uh, we didn't do a great job of it last year. We didn't do a great job of it in 2019. Uh, we didn't really have to do it in 2018. Um, and then when we did, it didn't go well. I, I think that realistically, like the, the the more you let the Syracuse team run the football and feel comfortable running the football, the, the more likely it is that they, you know they are going to to secure a win without having to do much. Now, that's not to say that Syracuse is so talented that that'll work against everyone, but I think against a team that has, for the most part, like even-ish talent, maybe slightly more. Um, but I think we have similar experience levels. Like that's the sort of thing where it probably works and maybe that works against wake and maybe it's competitive against a team like BC even. Um, but you know, maybe, but that's not necessarily going to be the game plan that works against, you know, your Florida States and Clemson's uh, of the world. And yes, I'm including Florida state um, as a more talented um, and, and better program right now. Um, the, the big concern I have, and, and, and it, I mean, at least we'll have some prep here this time around is uh, you know, I know you mentioned uh, the quarterback Vidral. Um, he can run. 
and, and I think that that's worth noting, um, if only because of Syracuse's recent slash long-term history of not being able to stop uh, mobile quarterbacks as much. And I think last week we got thrown for a little bit of a loop um, for a bit um, when they had the, uh, was it UNLV transfer? I forgot his name uh, for Ohio um, that, that, uh, that Ohio threw in. And I, I feel like we didn't have much of any tape on him and he definitely like was super effective at getting them out of trouble situations. And I'm actually surprised they didn't lean into him a little bit more because I don't necessarily think SU had the same answer for him that they did for Rourke. Uh, visual he seems like kind of opportunistic to me more than like he's not this like super super athlete um if you've watched he he started his career at ucf um and he looks very much like those ucf quarterbacks where they're not run first but they will hurt you with their legs not not totally unlike what what tommy was doing uh in this game um obviously i don't know that they run as much like designed uh read option stuff for him but it's definitely part of what they are you know what they are aware that is going to be part of the offense so yeah, he he's he certainly is a guy that you don't want to let going because like I don't know there's there's there are a few things worse than those games where all of a sudden you, you know you're the opposing quarterback who doesn't seem like a super athlete he's just like somehow found his way to 80 yards and a touchdown and right. you keep out you can't get off the field on third down because he constantly is leaking out of the pocket and finding uh, finding first downs so um, yeah it's definitely a concern uh, as you said like Syracuse has been like really bad about defending uh dual threat quarterbacks for the longest time but he's more of like the the kind of like sneaky sneakily opportunistic guy versus like the you know lamar jackson hurdling a defender and we see the highlight for the rest of our lives guys so um yeah i'm not not like super concerned about him but there is a situation in which like we just don't defend it well and he just uses every inch of space that we give him and it really comes back to bite us agreed he definitely, definitely concerned, but the, the, the fact that he's probably the biggest, like, wild card here, at, at least I think is a good thing. I, I think that Bo Melton, uh, you know, I know we mentioned Crookshank. Um, Bo Melton's another guy who I, I want to make sure we mentioned at least on him. He's, he's the biggest play receiver that they have. Definitely somebody um, who might remind folks of, uh, of a Taj Harris type. Definitely someone who's going to, you're going to hear his name a lot, and it's probably going to get annoying, um, but at least I think we have uh, one of SU's better open field tacklers in recent memory on the team now in Deuce Chestnut, who uh, who some Rutgers uh, message board folks definitely were, were sure to tell everyone that, that that he was not good enough for an offer um, from Rutgers after he committed to Syracuse, but 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 not a second before. <laughs> Imagine, I like how many based on the week one, like how many teams wouldn't be offering him a scholarship? He looked incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. again, Ohio first game. Some caveats, but sure tack. Like I haven't seen sure tackling like that in a while. The combination of like open space tackling plus the incredibly athletic interception, um, and just like good overall defense. Like obviously we were playing. Uh, he was playing off of guys against Ohio, so he was going to give up some receptions. But like that was part partially by design. And when he can open field tackle like that, like you'll take it because eventually, like teams don't win a lot of games taking like four yard dump passes because mistakes happen um so yeah it just you know all the hype we like the hype i was almost getting a little concerned entering the game because he was a true freshman because we've had such high expectations with these defensive bats recently and like man that was just so impressive so yeah it's nice to have uh, hopefully the jersey guys are really tuned up for this one um hopefully tommy uh is ready to bring it but uh you know it'll be it'd be nice for them i think too especially because as we know he was he was as you said not good enough to play for Rutgers. so it's really a big spot for him i'm sure he's I'm sure he's really wishing the things had gone differently in his recruitment. 
honestly, you know, Tommy, Taj, Deuce, like th- th- this is a perfect storm for for something good for Syracuse if these guys are super motivated. Uh, oh, it, with with how the like the local recruiting stuff is in Jersey, and how like there's been a real renewal and like the importance for New Jersey uh, after a couple of years where we weren't focusing on it as much, and I think to our detriment. Um, it would be uh, you probably see some NJ.com stuff if if like those three have big games because they are very much into keeping the Jersey guys at home. That's been like that's almost like the whole reason why you bring back Shiano because he is a really good relationship with all those coaches down there and uh, and has recruited the state really well. Um, if you have three Jersey guys for SU light up light up Rutgers, like you're gonna they're gonna get some attention in Jersey and it's it's big in recruiting. I know Babers like sem semi downplayed it this week, but I, I don't think that like r- like realistically I think it's pretty important. So Dan, I guess before we go, what is your prediction for this one? Who do you see who do you see taking a win and why? Um coming into the week before I started reading up more on Rutgers and on their strengths and weaknesses, I was kind of prepared to take them. I, I think we just knew more about them. They had a, a surprisingly like a surprising season last year with Chiano back. Um, I think he's done really good things there. Uh, unfortunately for us. Um, that being said, I think we kind of uh, stylistically, I think there's a good chance that we're a pretty bad matchup for them. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be optimistic after last week. I'm going to take Syracuse in a nail biter, a 28, 27 at the dome. Yeah, I was tempted to go something similar, but I actually did commit publicly um, on, on the banks to a 27-23 win for Rutgers. I I think that this team is on the way to respectability. I don't, that, that doesn't mean I'm predicting a bowl or anything like that, but on the way enough to respectability. But I think that there could be just a bit of a letdown after a, a strong week one win on the road. Uh, that some false confidence that's, that, that that enough has been fixed, and and I could see some mistakes because we did see some mistakes against Ohio uh, that, that start to come back and bite SU. Um, I don't think they play a poor game, but I think that um, you see Devito maybe try to do a little too much here and there with the passing game, um, and, and and maybe we just wait a little too long to start getting into the playbook a bit. Um, so again, twenty seven twenty three. I think you know maybe some penalties and a, and a turnover late um, end up turning the tide and, and giving Rutgers the win. But I'm I wouldn't say I'm happy about it. Yeah, like I said about Ohio last week, I wasn't going to be surprised with anything that happened. I wasn't going to be like, I think I said that I wasn't going to be super disappointed if it was like a super close win, considering they're a pretty quality program. I think this week's kind of similar. I, at Rutgers, I feel like it's silly to call it like we're in this like weird rebuild because Babers, you know, we're supposed to be past that point with Babers, but we did win one game last year. Um, you could make the argument that Rutgers is like a step ahead of us just because they did seem to turn that corner from where they were. Um, granted, that's where we were supposed to be in like 2017. Um, but like, I think there's the, the talent levels are probably pretty similar. They may have a slight edge there. Um, at the same time, like if, if last year was really uh, a weird, just like anomaly because of all the injuries and because of COVID and everything else. And we're more like the team, even the kind of flawed team that we saw in 2019. Uh, this is pretty even, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I, nothing will surprise me. I think even a loss here, like I don't think it totally resets everything because there's a chance Rutgers is like a middling power five team. And then it's like losing to, you know, half of our division. Um, I will say like, we can't, I, I will be <laughs> d- deeply disappointed if we have like a weird, uh maryland a couple years ago game like that would that would really depress me um otherwise like you know i think uh gonna be pretty level-headed if we blow them out then i think it'll be hard to though if we blow them out in like a a really impressive fashion then um all bets are off i will be i will be posting a lot 
I agreed on all of that. I, I, I'm hoping, to be honest, I'm hoping for my sanity and everyone else's for a middle-of-the-road win where we win by, like, less than a touchdown, but enough to feel like we did what we were supposed to do and it wasn't just luck. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to openly root for a blowout win on my birthday I weekend. I mean, sure. But I'll, sure. Take a, I'll take a five-point win. That's fine. Or, yeah, or give you 55 points. I don't care. <laughs> All right. That was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trendians and Absolute Podcast. And rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and Go Orange. Go Orange.